Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Steven Osentoski here of MGO Fish. No, I am not David. I know you can't see on the podcast, but you do not hear or see the beautiful face of David Arnold. It's Steven Osentoski here at Steven Toski. Joining me today, the one, the only, the beautiful at Harrison Quinn 90, Harry Hillman. How's it going, man? It's going good, Steve. Great to be here. Great to be here. Thank you for for gathering me together. I know it's been what a couple weeks now, maybe a week. I dude, time just flies. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Who knows? During the uh, during the like winter break stretch from like the fifteenth or sixteenth of December till mid January, I don't know really what day of the week it is or what's going on. So it's a blur. It's like one long length of uh, lukewarm winter. Yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy warm. It's been a weird, weird winter break with like only one snowfall, really. Tell me, what was your number one present that you received over Christmas? Oh, man. Okay, so interesting segue. My number one present was um, I got this new stereo for my car so I can uh, have Bluetooth, plug my phone in, all that. Got it installed on um, Tuesday night. Nice. Tuesday night after I go to bed, my car was broken into. Oh my Stereo god! Stereo stolen. Uh, so Wednesday morning, I get there and I'm like, "Oh shit!" They took my stereo and my uh, Trainer One Michigan Jordan. So, no. Uh, yeah, so I had it for a 15 minute drive home from Best Buy. I can. I told my parents, I'm like, the audio is awesome. You guys did great. And they're like, "Oh my god!" Like. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. So. Jeez, man. That was, That's what about you. Well, it, it luckily didn't get stolen, so I think that wins by default. I got a. Yeah, seriously, but no, I, I got a, a nice pair of of Bose headphones for for my runs. I'm I'm going on a, a 10k tomorrow morning. Actually, it's going to be a really sleet infested 10k through the woods tomorrow it's gonna be a cold one but but no they're they're really nice headphones really good quality i was rocking a pair of like 15 dollar uh bluetooth amazon headphones for the last two years and figured it was time to ask for a, for an upgrade there since i somehow kept up running so so i like them i gotta figure them out they're they're still a little weird like they're a little wonky but uh but they're they're a nice improvement so so yeah i'm, I'm a big headphone guy Big big headphone guy. I'm, I'm uh, not quite an audiophile, but I, uh, but yeah, I'm a picky picky boy in that regard. So so yeah, yeah it'll be it'll be a tough race. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. Um, so it, it's been a couple weeks. Lots of things has happened in the past couple of days. What and we'll get to each of them. I'm sure. What was the most shocking? Uh, news that came across during the break, whether it's someone leaving or uh, just you know someone returning. What, what was the most shocking piece of news in Michigan uh, sports over the past couple of weeks? I would have to say, just by default, it's probably at this point Nico Collins staying. Um, none of the other moves I, I really thought were that shocking. Um, I mean, we'll talk about one, Chris Partridge. That one wasn't ideal, but it's one that I think most people saw coming eventually. Yeah. But yeah. I would say Nico Collins, a player of that caliber, 
probably late first, early second round potential right now coming back to school. Uh, the last remaining member of his recruiting class at wide receiver with Oliver Martin, Tariq Black, and DPJ. So I, I would just say him coming back, he'll be a boon for the offense. Just having an experienced, big play, deep ball receiver on the offense will automatically lift everyone else up. So <clears throat> I would say by default, him, because nothing else really surprised me that much. Yeah, and, and I think it was um... – I was expecting, I was hoping for two back. I was expecting one back. Um, and you called it. You called it before it, it happened that Tariq Black was, was going to look for a transfer, grad transfer, and, and he ended up doing so. We'll see where he lands. Seems like a guy who um, just had probably too many bodies of the same type of receiver with DPJ and uh, Nico Collins just ahead of him by default. Um, because of the injury that Tariq Black for the first you know couple of years of his career at Michigan, so um, so it makes sense for him to transfer, and it, I think it was shocking for Nico Collins to return. But then when you look at the stats, it, it doesn't. He didn't you know really pop out with the stats themselves, mainly because he just didn't get enough targets. Michigan was was late in understanding the uh, the high percentage plays of throwing. Uh, to Nico Collins down the field, it, it, whether it's pass interference or a big play. He was something like nine for 15 on plays longer than 30 yards. I think it was, and that doesn't count the pass interference. So something ridiculous like that, that um, will surely, you know, pay off next year. Um, but what's your, what's your scouting of DPJ? He, you know, he's the, the one guy who went to the NFL. Um, do you think it's the, you know, it's hard to call it the wrong decision, but what about his game do you think uh, makes him the one who decided to go to the NFL versus Nico Collins? Let's say his versatility and his athleticism. He's someone that fits really well into the new age NFL that utilizes more speed on the perimeter, versatility, guys being able to take handoffs in the backfield and run routes. He's someone that, and we talked about, a few podcasts ago, he's going to tear it up at the Combine. I wouldn't really worry about what his stock is right now because he's someone that I think will move in the mid-first-round range by the end of the Combine. Earlier this year, Urban Meyer called him one of the 15 best players in, in college football. I think he's someone that was, I don't want to say grossly misused because I think he was used pretty well, but I think at the same time underutilized by two of his three years being uh, poorly coached offense, um, some really poor performance at the quarterback position, and then just a lot of talent being around him in the receiving core. So I'm not really sure what he could have done differently coming back next year that would have raised his stock. You saw earlier this year he was kind of hung up with, I think, an ankle and a hamstring injury. Those are things that don't really go away as much. So good for him. It's not really something I'm worried about losing him outside of Michigan lost a great player. It happens to great programs. It is what it is. Yep. I Man, mid-first round, that, that would be a heck of a jump. Because with his stats right now, and I agree there's potential, I would see him as a third rounder right now just because it is such a deep wide receiver class right now. I mean, if you think he's going to go from – like, if that's accurate, 
or or do you think he's more of a second round right now before we see his combine? Yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's probably a solid second rounder right now before okay. the combine. By mid first round, I mean, kind of like the sixteen to like twenty eight range, not like ten to twenty. I think he's firmly behind C.D. Lamb, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy, Lavisca Chanel. And then I think outside of that, it really gets down to your preference. I think he would fit incredibly well on like a Kansas City Chiefs, uh, on a roster like that that really utilizes the versatility and downfield passing game. I think he'd be a huge benefit to a lot of teams. I, I think a lot of NFL teams will look at the performance Shea Patterson had and say, like, you know what? It's not really on DPJ. Yeah. I think that's fair. And, and I think he's a guy he's going to throw up probably, do you think, like late 4-3s, maybe maybe low 4-4s, four probably low 4-4s. Four and that's extremely good with that that size at 6-1, six, 6-2. Six, um, and then, I mean, I remember there was a, a video on, on Twitter of him doing a front flip over a a, a fence and just clearing yeah. it. So his, his vertical is going to be there as well. And those are obviously the two. Uh, two biggest things, and his hands have never really been an issue. I know he had a couple drops in uh, a couple games, but I don't think that that'll you know it wasn't a trend. It was more just uh you know every receiver has drops, so it didn't stand out to me. So Plus, yeah, how many receivers that are currently projected in the first round have been as productive and talented as him in the return game. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. That that's yeah rugs in the NFL. When you're looking for the, the tiniest of edges, someone that can come in right away, be a quality kick and punt returner, and get you that hidden yardage, that's something that in my mind is, is very valuable. Yeah. And I think it's going to help raise his draft stock. I think he had three, maybe four return touchdowns over his career. I mean, he did very well. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, that's interesting. And I know we we're talking on, on Twitter about it as well. It, it, there's always value in, in um, you know, keeping guys as your upperclassmen, you know, you could see Nico Collins being a, a captain next year. But if both him and DPJ uh, would have come back, it would have gotten a little crowded, as you were saying. There's always value in being able to to recruit and say, hey, we push guys out. We don't push guys out, but guys have the ability to get to the next level after three years and sell them early playing time. So I, I, I'm with you that it's good for him if he can get up to uh, mid-first round, even early second round. Uh, you know, that's a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank and, and, and no one can really blame him for that. And with Nico Collins returning, I think it, you're going to see exactly what you're saying. It'll open up the field up for the Jacksons and Ristol who are uh, establishing themselves. Ronnie Bell will have a prominent role um, as well as uh, some of the newcomers. So, yeah, that, that's a, Yeah. So, so that'll be exciting. That'll be an exciting position to watch. Um, the... Uh, next person I want to talk to that you brought up, Chris Partridge, um, you know, leaving, uh, leaving the program after what has it been, man, four years longer than that, right? Than that. Yeah. He, uh, he came with so, Harbaugh. Yeah. He wasn't a full coach then. Yeah. So the full tenure of, of Harbaugh was with Partridge. Um, I first want to, so we can talk about him leaving. I first want to bring up the comments from, um, I think it was uh, Steve Wiltfong uh, of 247 about the uh, kind of the recruiting um, approach that Michigan has compares or how that compares to other major programs. And, and what do you think the impact combined with that comment from Wiltfong that Partridge leaving has on the Michigan program right now? I think that Partridge leaving 
not really a huge deal for me. If you've seen in Harbaugh's tenure, I mean, don't get me wrong, good coach, phenomenal recruiter, he'll be missed. But at the end of the day, he got a chance to get a significant um, promotion. He's a defensive coordinator now at a Power 5 school, at a Power 5 school that can recruit really, really well. So good for him. It's always nice to have guys going up and out to better jobs because then they're able to come back if a position opens up. You saw Sam Webb kind of allude to that. And I don't really think that getting rid of Don Brown is the answer to promote a first-time defensive coordinator for the sole purpose of recruiting. But in terms of the, the Wilt Fong comments, it's kind of what what I had gathered. They're, Michigan is a staff of of solid good recruiters, but not really great recruiters. There a lot of, and I don't want to say dead weight there because the guys that aren't as apt in the recruiting game are really good on-field coaches. But whereas a program like Ohio State, top to bottom has terrific recruiters, Michigan usually has like two or three terrific recruiters, and then the rest are more on-field coaches. Yeah. So it's like like Mike Zordich isn't a guy that's going into like Pennsylvania, SEC territory, uh, Florida, or California to get top notch recruits. Yeah. Um, Don yeah. Brown, not he's a northeastern guy. He'll he'll get some of those underrated gems, and that's sort of how you fall from where Michigan was in the beginning, where it was back to back like top five classes. They had. Ty Wheatley, they had Jay Harbaugh, they had Chris Partridge, they had top-notch recruiters. Greg Madison, they've lost a lot of the good, those guys. If you look at who the top recruiters are now, I mean, Sharon Moore got Dax Hill. Yep. Chris Partridge got Chris Hinton. Jay Harbaugh got Zach Charbonnet. Yep. So it's they have top recruiters, but I would like to see a little bit more organization in the recruiting game. I would like to see Harbaugh kind of filter out some of the dead weight for top recruiting talent. And from what I've heard from inside the program, I do think he's going to make a concerted effort to put more of an emphasis in recruiting than he had before. Yeah. Yeah. And and you made a lot of good points. I I think the interest, most interesting thing to me is it seems like it's more disorganized than anything else because you can make it work. And I, I feel like Michigan's done fine without a whole lot of structure, right? It, it seems like you're, you only have so many hours and, and it, it all depends on where you put that focus, whether mainly on recruiting, coaching, like you said, if, if Michigan mainly has, uh, mainly has guys who are, are better on the field coaches or uh, strategy guys, it, it's tough to balance that with, you know, always on the road recruiting. So guys like, Sharon Moore or uh, Chris Partridge, who are more uh, on the road guys to get their foot in the door. Those those um, you know high energy guys who are willing to go out on that. You need to strike that balance. So I think it, it's a little bit in favor now. Uh, like you're gonna miss that, but I'm I'm more worried about um, like the lack. It, it seemed like there was just a lack of organization on on like the recruiting board overall. So I think that that might be a miss in your. Uh, like recruiting coordinator, like actually, you know, paying attention to the depth chart. Because I think Michigan's issues over the past couple of years has been more at depth at certain positions versus 
talent. And if Michigan, you know, has a, a better um, better starting quarterback each of the past few years, how different does it look? If, if Michigan has uh, a more stout defensive line, uh, again, you're going to lose transfers. You're going to miss on certain recruits. But um, I don't know. And every program has these issues. It seems like there's there's always a hole that needs to be filled. And the best programs on the schedule – cough cough Ohio State has been able to find those so I I don't it's not an easy solution right you can point that out and say okay yeah we're not recruiting as well and teams are taking advantage of it it's a lot easier to observe that without a fix but that's where the comments kind of um kind of discourage me is where Michigan could be doing better and that's just more attention than anything else so and and Michigan always kills it at the um you know the on-campus on-campus recruits when recruits actually visit. Um, so it, it's, it, I think it'll be important to find a guy who's, um, who's younger and up and comer, who's willing to prove themselves. And like you said, Chris Partridge leaving, it, it's more of a, like, yeah, he's going to leave. He's a, a great recruiter, a great motivator. He's going to get an opportunity somewhere. Now you can use that similar to how guys leave, you know, for the NFL, you can have a young coach come in and say, hey, look, we, we brought this guy up for a couple of years. Now he's a defensive coordinator. And you can, you know, recruit the best young and up-and-coming coaches with that track record of a lot of the coaches that have left Michigan for uh, higher positions elsewhere. So I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but I'm more concerned with the overall recruiting coordination Um and now where the balance is without Chris Partridge, then losing him uh, overall. So it'll be interesting to watch. I know um, there's been really like a lot of names mentioned, but um, but honestly, I'm not really sure if Michigan is 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 leaning in on any one candidate right now. Are, are there any people that that Michigan has looked into that you would be interested in, or maybe there's there's guys that. Uh, you haven't heard brought up yet that that you'd be interested in and in taking a look at if you're Michigan. Um, it, it, I think Devin Bush Senior is a guy that is probably going to get a full time position on staff. Former NFL guy, um, state championship high school coach in the state of Florida, um, early to mid forties, I think, in terms of age. Um, he's a hard worker. He'll get guys in Florida. He's a, he, a lot of recruits spoke highly of him. Um, and they would talk to him as an analyst. I would expect two more departures minimum from the coaching staff. Uh, Campanile has been rumored to Rutgers. I would expect that to happen. Um, and I, I would expect one more defensive coach to leave. Um, not going to mention who it is, but, sure. um, just from something I've heard, and then a guy I have heard that Michigan, I think, is vetting that would be really interesting is uh, Tosh Lupoy, the okay. uh, the former Alabama, Cal, Washington coach. Yeah. He was a member of Freddie Kitchen's staff at, in Cleveland. The entire staff was let go. Um, he got in a little bit of trouble in the college game a few years ago. I know Michigan is vetting. I don't know how much interest or – if that means they want to bring him on staff, but I do know they're kind of going through some of the the motions to just check him out. And in terms of what what you were saying earlier about the disorganization, 
there kind of is a bit of a trend on there where it's um i mean if you look at it aubrey solomon was invited to it or got a thank you note for a, a camp he didn't even go to um Devontae Dobbs was offered by Tim Drevno as a defensive lineman. There was another blue chip player that I can't remember who that was offered a scholarship twice where it just in a vacuum, none of them are really that big of a deal. But when you're starting to put together a consistent track record of it, and then all of a sudden you have a national recruiting expert it's been around a lot of programs, kind of identified disorganization and lack of coalition as an issue. It kind of paints that bigger picture of what the real problem is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like, and you're right. There, there were a lot of things. I think there was another one. I don't know if it was, it wasn't Devery Hamilton. There was something with like the misspelling of, of uh, of a recruit's name as well, or, or... Uh, uh, thing he didn't even go to. Okay, his name spelled S O L O M E M E N. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that stuff. I mean, that stuff just can't happen. So, so yeah, I don't know if if it's you know worth switching up the you know the the current staff in, in those roles right now or what it is, but yeah, I think the the takeaway is that. Michigan is doing fine, um, but they, they could be doing better. The The national brand can get you really far, and leaning into that with, with proper execution, proper planning can get you closer to a top five, top ten instead of, you know, you know around the 10 to 15 range. So so we'll see. I, I think the next couple of hires, and, and if there are a few departures, it'll be a really, really critical time, especially with how um, – how closely the fan base will be looking at the Michigan defense as a whole next year under uh, a, you know, a magnifying glass with, with that game on, on the last Saturday, November, especially. Um, so, so we'll, we'll see there. Um, I want to get your opinion. No, any final words on that? Sorry. I, cut oh, you I was going say, speaking of recruiting, um, can we just talk real quick about just how like nice it is to have like, High chip five stars in basketball lining up to yeah. Michigan. Yeah, let's, <laughs> that's pretty like, fun. I, yeah, it's. I never thought Michigan would be in that scenario. They are. I'm. I'm excited. I'm not really a, a like. I love watching basketball because it's one of those things where I can turn my brain off and I don't understand it as much. <laughs> yeah, There's football. It's like I know everything that's going on, sure. and it's nice that way. I'm just excited to like have dudes come like jump through the gym and alley oop and dunk on people and I'm hyped. Yeah, so I, I it it's kind of blown me away right now, right? And it's uh I, I'm I don't want to say this, but I'm very curious to get your take, and I'll give you my opinion first. You have a guy who was part of the Fab Five as your head coach now. He's been in player development in the NBA for a couple of years. Um, he's very relatable, young coach. Um, is that all that's happening here for to pull in this sort of class? I understand Michigan's been very successful under John Beeline. Michigan's sent, you know, I, I think there was a list. They're they're seventh or eighth in, in terms of in terms of current um, players in the NBA. Michigan has ten 
Um, that's behind just a, a handful of programs, the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world, really. So Michigan has produced a lot of talent. They they have a coach that checks off a ton of recruiting boxes, probably the best profile um, that you can have outside of you know the, the Blue Bloods uh, that Michigan, you could argue, is part of right now. But even though I think Juwan Howard is a man of, of you know of, of high integrity, is this legit? Like I don't want to say, yeah, he's you know. So like I yeah, I can't I can't I can't figure it out. I, I agree with what you're saying, and it, it just th- there's one little point that, that I want to touch on just um, because it, it kind of aggravates me a, a little bit when when people correlate high integrity and like high character with like not doing anything supposedly illicit in the recruiting game. That's fair. Just because I, in terms of it, I I've had the chance to talk to a lot of like kids in football, not really as much basketball football is my forte. Sure. A lot of them have gotten under the table benefits and a, a lot of it, it happens everywhere. Every, I can tell you for a fact, every single power five school in football has illicit benefits going on under the table. Sure. Every single Power Five school in basketball, same deal. So it just kind of grinds my gears a little bit when people equate taking money with having low character, low integrity. You never know. Like with Laramie Tunzel, he asked for money to help his mom keep the lights on. Sure. Right. You never know if that money's going towards helping put like someone through daycare. Helping right. like put food on the table, so that that's just a little pet peeve of mine. When and I'm not saying you were doing that, by the way, because I do think Juwan Howard is high integrity, high character. I more equate the integrity and the character to to what happens when, when no one's watching and how coaches handle things in terms of discipline when you get drunk driving, um, arrests, um, misconduct. Sloppy play, laziness. Those are the things sure. I really equate to integrity and all that. But what I will say, Michigan's not doing anything that every single major program in the country isn't also doing. Take that how you will. I, I don't think it means Juwan Howard is, is any less of an incredible recruiter. But there is kind of like a step you have to take to get your foot in the door. Sure. You can't really buy kids. Right. But there is a level of play you have to hit to get in the door and get in front of some of these kids. I mean, it's not really a – what I mean, everyone does it. Everyone does it. Yeah. Like it's not a surprise that Duke's recruiting took off when they hired Jeff Capel, who, by the way, was fired at Oklahoma for paying kids. Right. Yeah. So. No, that's that, – and that's that, – that's yeah, and that's a good point. There's there's a big difference between helping players out in, in situations and your entire recruiting scheme uh, powered by money, right? I, I think those are two very different things. And um, even and it's a good point that you can still be a very uh, you can pay players and still be a good person. <laughs> like you don't have to be, you know, completely. Yeah. You know, it, it's a it's it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a fair game, but it doesn't, you know, I think a lot of people are advocates of that. So I, I don't, yeah. I think, I think it's a good point to make. Um, but I think it's regardless of what's happening, 
Michigan has a coach now who is probably the best, um, like most relatable and powerful head coach you could have. A guy who's so closely removed from the NBA, both as a player and from just a player development standpoint. And you look at the Heat and the player development they've done recently, he has a profile that that just it, it's amazing on paper and the early results recruits you know that i mean it, michigan's in a in a great spot with how they started this year uh, of catching a lot of people's attention really when they had to that with michigan with the start they had that got a foot in the door right away cuz that's when the program's potential for a lot of those high recruits is at its highest right when he joined it's very exciting and then they blow out a couple of huge blue bloods and it's like hey come join this this coach you know who who has developed NBA players and he can develop you too and guess what he's he's also really young and not some you know some old dude who's you know 75 years old and, and you know can't really talk to the guy you uh the wrong word in a film room yeah that's that's rough man <laughs> That's, I feel so bad for him. I don't, I mean, not, not in terms, I mean, he's getting paid very well to make his mistakes, but I mean, he's getting fired after this year. So he left a a cushy gig. It's been a rough three months for the beeline boys. Yeah. And I'm just excited if they don't change the one and done rule where there's a very, I'm not saying that it'll happen, but a realistic chance we get. Zaire Wade, Bronny James, and Emily Bates at Michigan in 2022. Jesus. That... <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine? Oh, my Can gosh. Can you imagine yeah. Fab Five Part Two? No. Oh, man. No. I'm gonna... I would be excited. No, you can't, you can't let me uh, get this much excitement. You, you can't do it to me, man. It's so far away. I'm letting myself just build those <laughs> hopes up. Within the next three months, the NBA will probably change that That's rule. That's true. And it's like, it won't even matter. But for right now, since it's so far away, I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Okay. We got to shift to uh, one more topic on football. I don't even know if we'll get to our, our uh, the second part we were talking about. But I want to talk about a couple of guys who really impressed during the All-Star uh, games um, around, yeah. around the new year. Um, I think the guy who... I think we both brought up and talked about quite a bit in our last podcast. I think you, you, you brought him up first. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Selden, man, he's, oh, yeah. he's going to be a guy. Like I, I was saying that he was getting written off because he's like five, seven in, in some platform shoes. You know, I don't, <laughs> I mean, no, he's, he's probably a legit five, seven, five, eight, but even so, I mean, five, eight at cornerback, uh, no one's going to really give you a shot. And, and he's, he's out there. They put him, they put him out there against Julian Fleming, number one overall, number one wide receiver headed to Ohio State, and he's holding his own. Um, that's on one-on-one setting, both in-game and in the camp setting. Um, you know, you had Deion Sanders uh, hyping him up during practice. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad I mentioned his name. It makes me look good. But also, I think he's okay. a guy who can – contribute really early. I mean, Michigan had him practicing with the team for bowl prep uh, before he went off to the uh, All-American game to to practice as well. Um, am I crazy for thinking he can start in, in his true freshman year? Or do you think it's going to be some, like, maybe the third yeah, game? I think that's a little pump-the-brakes action yeah. right there. Yeah. Just in terms of 
there is some work to be done in terms of building muscle and gaining the right weight yeah. to play right away. I do think that there's a role for him on the field early in terms of maybe dime packages, uh, smaller nickel packages as the fourth defensive back. I think that's very, very possible. I don't think you'd be crazy about that. But I think probably going to be firmly behind Vincent Gray and uh, Ambry Thomas right away. Yep. And then, I mean, I, I'd almost hope he doesn't because if he does start right away, that's a really, really bad sign for the last two years of quarterback recruiting. Fair. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. And it's one thing to show out in a uh, setting against, you know, admittedly other high school uh, recruits. And then, you know, Big Ten's a different, you know, Power Five program that's a different setting altogether. So it, I think it was more um, showing that, yeah, he's, he's a shorter guy, but he's still underrated. And um, I still think he'll be – he'll get a big jump just because he he was able to go toe-to-toe with, every, with anybody. I still think he'll be underrated just because the rankings project to – an NFL guy and NFL corners yeah. are the, um, are the Sean Wade's of the world where you're six foot. So I think he's going to perform at Michigan, like a top 50 recruit, even higher. I think he, there'll be matchups that he'll, he'll get got, but that's going to be rare. It, it won't be rare in the NFL where he'll have some trouble. I think he'll be one of the better Michigan corners in quite some time. And I think that's saying something with, with how well Zordich has coached that position over the past couple of years. But, man, his closing speed is phenomenal. Watching his film, that is him out of breaks on slants is is probably the best I've seen from a corner in some time. So I'm really excited about him. Um, there were a couple other good performers um, Blake Corum was another one who he won one of the skills challenge um, at the uh, All American game. But who who else were you were you watching? I know there was uh, a couple linebackers out there. I know uh, I think was Morant out with an injury. Morant, I'm not sure Morant played. Yeah. I know AJ Henning played. Yeah, uh, Aaron Green Warren played. Corum played really well. Khalil Mullings played really well. Khalil Mullings, that's um, what I was forgetting. It was a good showing. For the uh, the Michigan crew, uh, I know Braden McGregor was also out. So take, I mean, nothing you can really do about that. But I would expect most of Michigan's commits to rise a little bit up the rankings, maybe fifteen to twenty spots. I've always thought this was a little bit of an underrated class because of where a lot of these dudes came from. But I saw someone on Twitter with, with a blue check mark compare. Blake Corum to Mike Hart, and I'm like, oh yeah, justified from when I did that. Oh yeah, get out, man. How how fast? I, I, no, he's got a lot of Mike. He's got a lot of Mike Hart in him. How fast was Mike Hart? How fast was he? Uh, about as fast as Blake Corum. About as fast? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm gonna I, look it up right now. I I need I'm to look it up. No, there's not a chance. That dude, there's well, not he, a chance. Mike Hart, well, he, Hart just got associate head coach position. Mike Hart was a phenomenal running back, one of the best Michigan running backs um, in a long, long time. Mike, so so Blake Corum's verified forty. Are you are you ready for this? Yeah, it was point two five seconds faster than Mike Hart. 
There's not a chance. There's not a chance. Four six nine. Whoa, Blake Corum. Blake Corum. times four four four. That dude. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. I thought you said point zero two. Point two is a. No, that's a big difference. No. Point two five. That's a big difference. Blake Corum is a quarter of a second faster than Mike Hart over forty yards. That's a lot faster, dude. Yeah. Wait, I thought you were just saying he he's like the same as Mike Hart. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just saying stuff to make Blake Corm look better. Oh, okay. I didn't forty times. Okay, okay. So so you realized that you were way off with that. <laughs> oh yeah, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, were you saying that Mike Hart was faster? No, no, no. I thought you were saying that his performance and that his forty was like close to Mike Hart. I thought you were saying, what did I tell you? He's just like Mike Hart. No, dude, he's a burner. Oh. Blake Corum is, he's got, oh, yeah. he, he's got to be the he's fastest. Great. Yeah. He's going to be the fastest running back on the roster next year. He's going to be a compact. He's going to be in between the tackles. He's a tough dude. He's another, he runs hard. yeah, he's another guy who I think will perf- out way outperform his ranking um, just because of his size, you you read all of the scouting report, and he's another guy who's like what five eight five nine, and he gets dinged for his size. And I get it because he's already close to his ceiling in terms of his physical development, but that's pretty damn good physical development. Like with that speed, he's already yeah. close to like you know two hundred. He's close to plane weight already. So that's another thing. Him, both him and Seldon, feel like guys who are who are ranked lower because. Because of their their size, but their performance is disproportionate to uh, both their size and their ranking. So I, I think those those two guys are, and, and unfortunately for Corm, yeah, go ahead. In this, that I mean, Jeff Percy, another dude, a little smaller. Chris Jenkins, same thing. That's true. Whereas those are guys that are smaller weight wise, but have the frames. Michigan is. I think this class, more so than the others, pivoted a little less towards the highly ranked blue chip guys as the end-all, be-all, and a little bit more in the mold of recruiting like in Iowa or Wisconsin and getting guys with those great frames, recruiting like a Washington. Not that the blue chip guys aren't important, but seeing these guys is, is what they'll be in, in two years as opposed to what they are now. Yeah. I don't think one way is, is better than another in terms of recruiting guys because you got to recruit, you got to develop and you got to deploy. Right. Yep. You got to keep consistency there. And if you're going with one approach, you have to stick with it. I mean, it's worked for Wisconsin. So if Michigan can have the sort of player development that Wisconsin has with the, uh, you know, I, Michigan has to average at least 10 to 15 spots higher per year. So at the higher level, if you can get that sort of player development, if you can lock in on, on the exact profiles you're looking for guys. Um, but again, it comes, it comes down to your organization there and, and understanding your roster and, and what it's going to look like in a couple of years. So, so hopefully Michigan is paying more attention to that, but I really like the guys they have. And I think it, it's a, a class that's very likely going to outperform its its number 10 overall ranking um i agree okay let's uh i gotta i gotta go to sleep here in a little bit but i know we we didn't get a we didn't get to our second topic but i, I want to uh do a little primer for that so we're we're 
we're gonna do a podcast next week. I'm, I'm I'm putting it on the books. It's on the schedule. And what are we gonna be talking about, Harry? This this was your idea. Talking about decade, wrapping up 2010 through 2019. Some of our favorite moments. Maybe we'll touch on some of the least favorite just to rip the scab off. And look forward to, to 2020. But one one question I did have for you. Yes. And we can end on this. So if I set the over under at three and a half, okay. How many between Michigan basketball and Michigan football Big Ten championships do you think come in the next decade? Oh, over Jesus. or under three and a half? Oh, god! Not, not Big Ten tournament like regular season Big Ten titles plus football. Over under three and a half. My initial. My initial thought, man, that's a good line. That's a good line because I, I see I see two for basketball. I just do. I, I think with the next couple of classes John Howard has, that's uh, I think two is reasonable. I think Izzo will be out relatively soon. I just don't think he can keep it up as much. John Howard seems like he'll be a guy. I mean, it's crazy to like struggle seeing one from the football team, but like you got to at least spot one. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say four. If I were a betting man, I would, I would, I would look at four and it wouldn't go crazy. But, uh, I mean, it it was, it's a rough, it was a pretty rough, you know, obviously rough decade in terms of football and, and getting, getting to that, that championship game. But, uh, it, it's got to turn around. It's, you, you got to have like a year where Ohio state isn't the death star. And that, um, yeah, I think Michigan State will be, be be due for at least a uh, a downtick in their in basketball a little bit as Michigan improves. So, so I don't know, man. I yeah, that's a really good line. I, I and I I'm gonna predict you're gonna have the over on that as well. What what's the number that you see and, and how do they distribute there? I I have it at four as well. Okay. I have as three for basketball, one for football. Mm-hmm. Is that is that because you don't see uh, Ohio State going anywhere? Because that's where I see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Ohio State. It's also Penn State. It's also Wisconsin. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put until it happens because it, it's been what sixteen years since we won the Big Ten in football. Yep. So once once the first one happens, as soon as we beat Ohio State, I feel like. That's a mental block that's just off the books. Yep. But until that, it's like I don't know who, which players I have to pay and then tell the NCAA about. But <laughs> uh, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, for sure. I'm going. I think that's a good. That's a uh, a good way to exit, and that would be a, a better decade to look forward to. But let's uh, let's end it there, Harry. Next time we'll talk. We'll talk all about the the 2010s. Um, I know I have a couple, couple great, great times, uh, while I was at the university. So some of my best times were at, were at Michigan football games. Um, but yeah, man, um, any, any final words? What, what's your, what's one thing that I cut you off on that, that you want to get uh, out, get out there? Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> rest in peace, big rest in peace to, um, like what blaze fire 84. Yes. Um, uh, member in Twitter passed away. Uh, I think his name is Eric Fisher. 
from all accounts, really good dude. Uh, someone I've interacted with, someone you've interacted with. Uh, it, it really sucks. Uh, it was, I think, 33, uh, somewhere in that range. But um, from all accounts, really, really good dude. Sucks to see it happen, but uh, he's in a better place. And uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, that guy always had, had so many good uh, – we, we had so many good conversations on things he recognized in my analysis – or yeah, he's just very active. I felt like everyone had interactions with him. He was he was just a very positive, um, insightful member of, of the Michigan Twitter community. So so definitely rest in peace and, and thanks for for bringing that up. I I definitely uh, it definitely hits you. You know, it's someone you don't yeah. you do, you don't really think about that, but then um, you know, lots of moments that are created there, lots of conversations they. Uh, when they're gone, you, you kind of, it hits you. you. You have to take a minute. And I definitely did. So, so yeah, definitely, definitely um, rest in peace to a real one there. Um, yeah. On that note, Harry, thanks for joining. You can, you can follow Harry. Oh man. I, I'm going to go off memory here. Quinn 90. There it is. There it is at Harrison Quinn 90. Um, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Steven Toski. You can follow David, the uh, the host extraordinaire that is busy with family life and I think just a couple children that are driving them crazy as well as uh, a, a crazy law a law degree um, so yeah you can follow him at uh, at David Arnold M I I believe is his at if not I think he changed it did it's he really David M C H oh my gosh this crazy this crazy man at David Arnold Mish as in Michigan. All right, uh, we'll talk next week, Harry. Uh, as always, go blue. Go blue. Great talking to you, Steve-O. See you, buddy.